Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Joseph Green, who is a parapolitical researcher who was affiliated with the Coalition on Political Assassinations. He's done a lot of great work. His latest book is Tinfoil Hat Not Included, Conspiracy Theories in Arts and Practice. I've got a copy. You should get one as well. You can find them at joegreenjfk.com. Welcome to Geopolitics and Empire, Joseph. Thanks, everybody. It's, uh, it's, it's great to be on. Yeah, I mean, I've been following your work uh, for a while. I had you on my TNT show some months back, and you've got this new book uh, out. And I see eye to eye pretty much with most of um, what's in the book. And um, from what I gather, you've spent a lot of time on the JFK issue. Could you briefly tell us uh, a bit about yourself and some of the things you've worked on over the years? Sure. Yeah. Um, That's sort of how I got started. I was um, hired... Uh, a little over 20 years ago to write a screenplay for an independent film that had uh, JFK sort of as the background, the the assassination. And I did not know a whole lot about it. Um, And so he gave me a couple of books to read and I read those books and I said, Oh, like I had always assumed that this was a bunch of nonsense and it was people going off on these crazy tangents or and like no this is perfectly reasonable this is just another way of of looking at the events and frankly it looks like the evidence points in the, this direction rather than the one that history has said um and so it was kind of an eye-opening experience um and from there i got interested this is also shortly after 9-11 so i was already um you know, impacted by that, like everybody. And I had started looking into all the problems, you know, they're been very well documented, all the issues that came around with 9-11. And the more I looked at that, the more I thought, oh my gosh, this, you know, what the hell's going on? And then the JFK thing actually came after that when I, when I was doing the research for this, the screenplay that I wrote. And after that, I came across an article by a guy named John Judge and I was so impressed by that article, which was actually about Jonestown, that I decided that I had to meet him. I live in San Antonio. He, he was having meetings every uh, November in Dallas. And so I just drove up one year and I met John Judge. And after that, uh, I was in. We had like a three-hour conversation. And I was from that point on, I was sort of his first mate. Like I was just trying to help put on the conferences and help him with all his research because he was so amazing. So that that's when you were uh, initiated into the brotherhood. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a good way of putting it because, and, and it's very important to kind of state that at the top, really, because a lot of people who investigate JFK only investigate JFK, and I don't think you can really understand it if that's how you do it. Like this can't be you can't be like a Trekkie on this issue, right? You have to look at everything else that's going on and put it in the context so that you can understand, oh, like this is a machine that has been going at least since World War II. Um, and all these things are related. So it's not, in other words, the Kennedy assassination might sound absurd to someone if it was in a vacuum, but it's not in a vacuum. There's also Dr. King. There's also Malcolm X. There's Bobby. There's Teddy uh, you, and the Black Panthers. I mean, all these things. That happen, and then of course, as you get further into it, you also start finding out, 
you know, maybe the Symbionese Liberation Army isn't what everybody said it was. And Patty Hearst isn't what happened. You know, that's, that's not what history says that it was in Jonestown and, you know, practically everything once you start looking at it. Yeah, I think that's a great, great point. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a meta thing. You can't understand it any other way. And j- just before continuing, I, I, if you could, you know, uh, ab- about a decade ago, I Skyped uh, Peter Dale Scott into my university mm-hmm. classroom here uh, when I was when I used to be teaching in Mexico. And some call him, if, if I recall, the godfather or father of the study of deep uh, politics, which is synonymous, from my view, with, you know, parapolitics, as you uh uh, yeah. describe describe yourself and which today has become popularized for the masses is you know simply deep state and so uh, could you just give us you know your sort of excellent explanation of deep politics or parapolitics sure it's it's looking at the aspects of how a government functions that are not covered by the major media whatsoever so um and peter's as you know, is just a lovely gentleman. He's, he's a great guy. Um, but he does very detailed and academic work in areas that are considered to be like trash. Like nobody is supposed to look at this stuff. And certainly universities aren't supposed to look at this stuff. But you cannot understand the government. Or for example, just take one small example. Um, you cannot really understand the CIA unless you understand that off the books, uh, there are millions of dollars to be made in selling drugs and arming countries secretly. And if you don't ever consider that in your view of how a government economy works, you're just never going to understand anything. It all just seems like a mystery. But in fact, we know that there's this long history uh, and it's entwined with, uh, you know, at one point with French narcotics traffickers, um, we know that I- Iran Contra, you know, shed light on the fact that we were doing this. This is just this is standard operating procedure. It all, it's only deep politics because the the news media doesn't cover it. A message from our sponsors. Our friends at Above Phone are on a mission to help people break free of the algorithm ghetto. They're starting with our phones because ninety nine percent of people today are addicted to the big tech ecosystem. We have alternative technologies available that Ramiro and his team at Above Phone have been evaluating. These tools are superior, not just alternatives. Are you ready to play above the rules of the surveillance capitalists? Let's remove our reliance on them for information, apps, and communications and break free of their tracking. If we don't contribute to alternative software with our participation, we may lose the few choices we have. When you get a degoogled Above Phone, everything is made simple out of the box. Just plug your cell service in and go, or use Wi-Fi only. The above privacy suite provides important services using open source software that is run reliably and privately. It gives you a VPN, private email, search engine, encrypted chat, voice and video calls, a calendar service, and an anonymous internet phone number. Because getting people on better systems is so important, they've upped their dedication to support with each phone, you get a 30-minute support call, 24-7 email, chat support, and a knowledge base. Just like with our food, water, healthcare, schooling, and security, our tech needs to be sovereign. Browse available phones now and subscribe to the privacy suite at abovephone.com. Also, if you need health insurance that covers you wherever you may roam, check out my friend James Guzman's Borderless Health Insurance. One of the great things about living internationally is saving money on healthcare. But private care overseas can be expensive. 
Go to borderlesshealthinsurance.com to watch a short presentation on expat and digital nomad healthcare and sign up for a free consultation to review your options. Let's get more into that. You know, I wanted to read a few sections from your book and uh, I sort of start with one of your conclusions, which really hits hit home with me because as I was teaching history and politics and updating my syllabi, I was coming across all the stuff you're talking about and forcing my students to read the primary source uh, documents, you know, TP Ajax, you know, the declassified uh, overthrow, you know, how the CIA MI6 overthrew a democratic Iran. I, I had them. And in that CIA document, it's like, they, it, it talks about false flag operations and it's just like, and then you, mm-hmm. I, you get, you get into trouble with academia. It's insane because I think those people, uh, you know, the, the, the department directors, the heads at academia, again, they, they're in this other, you know, uni- parallel universe that doesn't really exist. It's, it's not in reality. And then they think you're crazy and they, they find it hard to fathom, but you know, we can get your thoughts more on this, on this but let me just read uh, you write. Quote, if you don't understand that the state killed JFK and MLK and RFK and Malcolm X and a whole lot of others besides, you're uh, you're never really going to fundamentally understand how the world uh, works. Um, and then uh, you also say you have to be built a certain way to pursue this line of inquiry now. And, and furthermore, you write, the fact remains, if you are motivated, motivated to find the truth, then you have to go where the evidence takes you. I don't want to know that Oswald didn't shoot Kennedy, and I certainly didn't want to find out that RF, that the RFK assassination was a conspiracy, and that the MLK assassination was a conspiracy, and that the Malcolm X assassination was a conspiracy, and that the Jonestown story, as people know it, is completely wrong, and that Ted Kennedy survived multiple assassination attempts, and so on. It's not my fault that the government keeps murdering its own citizens, and there's no reason why people should find it all that irrational and you know i think of when i was teaching uh high school in mexico on martin luther king day i got so frustrated everyone's like oh yay martin luther king let's like no the point here is the government killed him and i was shocked when i was discovered what a real academic should do should find this stuff as you're talking about and i was shocked i never heard of the 1999 court case jower i think it was jowers you know with coretta scott king Mm -hmm. king's wife and his whole family were conspiracy theorists they didn't think it was, you know, the lone gunman. And they got a verdict in 1999, which said, you know, local, state, and federal government agencies participated in the conspiracy to assassinate King. That's what the actual court verdict said. And I showed yes. that on the screen to my kids on MLK Day. And I had an American student that got so angry, told their mom and dad, mommy and daddy sent an angry email to my director, principal, calling me, you got this crazy teacher who's a conspiracy theorist, anti-American. And I'm sitting here like, I'm feeling, I'm so American. This is so American to do this, to point out this corruption and let's, you know, stop this sort of thing from from going on. So, you know, I'm ranting here, but just, you know, your thoughts on all of this. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, the guy's name is Lloyd Jowers. And uh, if I remember correctly, the civil court appended 30% of the responsibility on uh, on Jowers and 7% to other parties, including the government. Um, and you're right. That story was essentially not reported on. Um, the only reporter that was there every day of that trial was a guy named Jim Douglas, who wrote one of the great books 
in conspiracy literature called JFK and the Unspeakable. And at the time, uh, Jim Douglas was reporting for a little thing called Probe Magazine that uh, was started by Jim Diogenio. And the magazine was just this little, I mean, you can, just a tiny paper thing. Um, but Douglas was the guy that was doing real reporting about this thing that was the essentially the trial of the century, but everybody ignored it. You know, the major media would not touch that story because obviously it points a big direction away from the designated patsy, which in this case was James Earl Ray. Yeah, it's, it's, as you said, it should have been the trial of the century. Instead, we got O.J. Simpson. I remember as a kid in the, in the U.S., they, they stopped classes and had us watch O.J. Simpson <laughs> trial, which was a total joke. And uh, it should, you know, MLK story. I mean, but imagine if this was blown open, how people would feel about the uh, government. And just maybe on the thought of conspiracy theory, you write conspiracy theory is simply political analysis that the state doesn't like. Um yeah. Conspira- conspiracy theory isn't a special type of claim. It's an observation about the world that uses the same toolkit a scientist or a logician uh, does. You investigate things the best you can and recognize that there are strong points and weak points and you make sense of the world. You also say there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to secret societies, conspiracies, and a powerful minority uh, exercising control over a majority which performs its labor. So, you know, further thoughts on conspiracy. I, I don't feel any more the taboo if someone wants to call me conspiracy theorist. Uh, Whatever I've interviewed, Lance DeHaven Smith. Uh, I got his book, uh, Conspiracy yeah. Theory in America. Yeah. He points out it came from a, you know, it was a CIA memo in the '60s, and it's now used to attack um, anyone who's actually thinking. So, you know, yes, your further thoughts. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I've said that essentially it's it's profanity because in the in the old sense of the term, profanus, the Latin means outside the temple. And that's what it really is. It's like you're not in the temple. You're not. If you're going to pursue this line of inquiry, you're not playing ball, and you don't get to. You don't get to be with us. You're you're an outsider now. Played yourself, and so it's just pure thought crime. Is all it is that we're talking about. Uh, to say that you're a conspiracy theorist doesn't actually that that doesn't actually mean anything. There are conspiracies. So if you find them, you're not a conspiracy theorist. You're just looking at the world flat on without a particular bias in favor of the state. And that's what we're really saying. So, yeah, the conspiracy theorist is basically an epithet. It doesn't actually correspond to anything in reality. Because if two people, if two scientists disagree about whether dark matter exists, we don't say one of them is a conspiracy theorist, right? They're just looking at the same facts and coming to different conclusions. That's all it is. This, so pointing out that one conspiracy theorist says one thing or you know, one conspiracy, another conspiracy theorist says another thing is exactly what we should expect. We don't expect universal agreement in any line of inquiry, scientific or otherwise. So it's not surprising that sometimes people say different things, although they're both technically, quote unquote, conspiracy theorists. And maybe to get your thoughts on the the healthy way to go about uh parapolitics or 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 conspiracy theory and and the unhealthy way to go about it because i feel the past few years um it's been uh accentuated with the rise of what i consider a lot of psychological operations like i i consider QAnon to be a psychological operation yes also i think flat earth uh which seems to have links to the QAnon stuff and even this idea of viruses don't exist now i re- again taking what we're discussing i totally respect people going down uh looking at all of these things with an open mind 
but uh, lately people are becoming almost cultish and obsessive and and, and pushing this stuff uh, uh, on me and 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 others. And I think it's getting carried away because the, you know, as you talk about in your book, QAnon, they think JFK Jr. is still alive and Princess Diana is still alive, and and uh, the Earth is flat. And then the no virus people, I've heard some of them say. They don't think infectious or contagious disease exists at all or a pestilence or plague. And for me, again, that's that's too much. I just cannot believe (laughs) believe that I I can believe covid was not actually a virus and it was a manufactured false flag or whatever. I could I could believe that. But I I, I can't say, you know, contagious doesn't all my life. (laughs) I've been seeing it with my own eyes. And so just your thoughts on a proper way to go about all of this. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the point is to maintain some kind of evidential standard. So um, it's not that surprising that, that somebody might make counterintuitive claims or claims that have been contraindicated by other evidence for a long time. Let's say it's a, you know established science in some field or another. Um, but just having counterintuitive claims is not really an argument against that claim. But by the same token, I mean, never mind the last few years and the last few days, uh, you know, Kanye West went on Alex Jones and made Alex Jones seem sane um, by the things that he's spouting. So uh, I think he said that Hitler invented the microphone, among other absurd things. So I don't know where he's getting this information, um, but it's very important to double check everything that you are looking into. So if you watch three YouTube videos that all make a claim that uh, there's no such thing as dinosaurs or there's no such thing as nuclear weapons, um, okay, but then let's go a little further and try to verify those claims with something other than YouTube videos, all right? Because that way lies madness, all right? And um, there's nothing against videos. I mean, uh, certainly you could get great information that way, but you can't just accept it uncritically. Just like you can't accept what the state is telling you uncritically, you can't accept somebody on YouTube uncritically for the same reason. I mean, the reality is, is that you can go on any part of the internet right now and you can find somebody who disagrees with something. There's no such thing as the universe. There's no such, you know, you can go anywhere you want. That doesn't make it true. So all of these claims In one sense, they're all the same. They're all claims about reality. So then what we have to do is we have to investigate and see whether the evidence actually backs up that reality or not. The same way we did with the JFK assassination. So it's, you know, does the single bullet theory measure up to reality? The answer is no. It seems to be preposterous. We see large things, you know, bullets don't behave that way. You know, physics doesn't behave that way as far as we can tell. So if you want to defend the single bullet theory, that's fine, but you're going to have to induce some type of new evidence or something that makes that plausible. And it's the same thing like saying Hitler invented the microphone. Is there any evidence that he invented the microphone? As far as I know, that the answer is no. Yeah, yeah that, that was, uh, I, I still haven't have found the time to watch that maybe this weekend. It just was... Uh, I mean, something weird is going, you know, maybe it's, again, some psychological operation. Maybe it's just a sign of the decline of (laughs) the U.S. um, empire. But even on that nuke issue, I mean, I'm willing to explore. I have listeners, um, you know, poke and prod me about the no nukes. And it's just like, I'm willing to explore it. But as you said, 
I haven't, you know, there are there's you know a handful of books on it, but I still find it hard to believe. Like there's little information on it, and, and the information is obscure. There's one like expert here that's talked about it, and but then again, I've lived in the former Soviet Union in Kazakhstan in Semipalatinsk, which is 120 kilometers away from the Polygon, which was the yeah. principal Soviet nuclear test site, 18,000 square kilometers. And I visited Ground Zero. So I've, I've been yeah. there. They've dropped 500 nukes there. Uh, and I live with the Kazakhs who lived around there. And I got, and I, you know, it was radioactive where I was standing. It's like, where does the radioactivity come from if there's no nukes? You, you, you get what I'm saying? So it's kind of like I'm applying your, your, your principles. Like, okay, these people are nice. They find these little videos. Like, I actually stood on ground zero. Have you? You know, I've talked to the scientists, to the people around. Like, uh, you know, they, they, they talk about people, you know, in the surrounding villages getting sick, right? So, again, you have to approach these things factually carefully um academically and so you know before i continue what what are some other points that you want to uh uh get across from uh, let me uh, tell the book's title again tinfoil hat not included conspiracy theories in arts and practice yeah no and you know to follow up on your point you know in in america of course we know that uh, and i can't remember what it was but there was a john wayne picture that was terrible um, but because it was close to nuclear tests, a whole lot of actors and crew ended up dying of cancer because of that radiation exposure. So again, if there aren't nuclear weapons, then what is the explanation for that? You're going to have to come up with some other, you know, what is, what is the, the, the efficient cause of all these people getting cancer and dying? Um, so I'm, I'm the same as you, if there, if there are no nukes then there are no nukes that's fine I, I don't have a dog in that particular fight but you still have to demonstrate the premise so why do we believe this what is the evidence for it um i've probably seen a couple of the same videos you have in that regard and you say well i mean I, this doesn't this doesn't seem to pass the the smell test for me so i'm going to need a lot more to go back on it but that's not to say that you know someday i might come to that conclusion that's fine i don't have i don't even have a problem with flat earth like I was, I started studying philosophy when I was a kid. And so if you read philosophy at a young age, you discover that the master builders were all sitting around on their desk coming up with their version of the universe, right? So Leibniz says in the monadology that the universe has consisted of tiny windowless monads that are all lockstep ones and, you know, one with each other. And then he tries to explain why that, why that works. So having an outlandish idea or a view about the universe, I don't have a problem with that. But you have to demonstrate it. So how how like how does this help us understand the world? And is there any evidence for that? Yeah, and that's all I'm looking for. I mean, again, if the Earth is flat, then the Earth is flat. I don't think so. But if you want to try and demonstrate to me, that's I'll listen. I'll listen to almost anybody about almost anything. Yeah, yeah. And I was just gonna say. I mean, from from time to time, it is fun. You know, on the weekend, there there's a time and place to. You know, talk about these things that are way beyond the Overton window, but um, I kind of leave it there because I just don't see it. You know, flat Earth again. Myself having lived and traveled on the on on the planes, and then you've got satellites and all this stuff. And like again, if if it if there's enough info at at the moment, as you say, I don't looking at the flat Earth stuff. I just don't see enough credible info, and we have to be very careful. And that can take away from the other more important stuff that we're 
um, yes uh, yes looking at it and, and, and talking about it. and maybe to talk about um just read a quote from your book it says you'll notice that when a typical journalist working for a news a big news organization starts to discuss uh ideologically dangerous issues they will spend much energy raising psychological explanations without ever attempting to deal with the facts that's because if they raise factual issues two things happen the journalist has to acquire some familiarity with those facts and the process lends credence to those who um question them and so you know when we talk to people about these things and, and, and I've noticed it's across uh, the board, this echo chamber. You know, I, I taught in, in academia, mm -hmm. students who have been brainwashed. So the students largely think the same as the teachers and the administration and, and, and um, uh, you know, now the televisions. And uh, I've seen people I know in the U.S. flip from being, you know, one conservative or independent perspective. And they've now come full circle. They believe official narrative on everything. And it was mind boggling for me to watch because they've been subject to, it's not just, I mean, it's television. It's, it's your smartphone with the Google news. It's, it's the social yep. media. It's, and it's just, just bombarded and you don't have any other alternative views. And so over time, you just come to align with the official narrative. And now, now these same people are calling me crazy they get physically angry with me when i point out contradictions and if you want to talk about the people who are sort of stuck in that official narrative world from from journalists to the average uh, joe yeah well journalists are a different that's a different thing because that's a professional issue if a journalist starts routinely covering uh stuff that the government doesn't want covered they're not going to be a journalist very long you know they're going to get they're going to start getting pressure from their superiors and so and you just can't do it. And if you're in, if you're in academia, it's going to be very difficult for you to get a job if you continually say things that the state doesn't like. I mean, Michael Parenti, classic case, right? He's a very brilliant guy. He's also an open Marxist, and he also isn't afraid about talking about the Kennedy assassination. And he's he became a nomad, like he was constantly looking for a gig because of that, you know. And this is a guy with tons of publications. Everybody agrees, I think, that Michael Parenti is very insightful and very sharp. Um, but he says a lot of things that are extremely unpopular and you, you sort of know that going in, that if you're going to be taking these unpopular positions, that's how you're going to be. And I don't usually blame ordinary folks because if you're, if you're just somebody who's living their life, what do they want to do? They want to have a family. They want to have friends. They want to have a job that they can tolerate. You know, they want to watch football on the weekends. Like I get it. You don't really want all of these complications that I'm offering you about your position. Nobody wants to look at that. And the way I think about it is there's a, a famous short story called The Ones Who Walk Away from Amela's. I think it's Shirley Jackson. I'm pretty sure it's Shirley Jackson. Um, but it's all about this, this little town where everything is perfect and everybody is happy all the time. Everything's great, except there is one child that is in, kept in a basement. And is repeatedly tortured and people who go down to visit the child are told everything for us is great but we have to torture this child and if we don't do this the whole thing our whole society will fall apart and some people take that and go all right fine and other people can't and those are the ones who walk away from amelas but that's never going to be a popular position because the simple reality is, is that the places that we live in, the place that, that I'm sitting on right now, uh, has probably been the site of untold murders 
as society grew and came up and people got themselves into their cliques and they killed people who were not in their cliques. I mean, one of the things about, and I'm not picking on the Mormons right now, but you know, Utah is filled with <laughs> unmarked graves because the Mormons had a bad habit of killing people who disagreed with them. And they did it very openly. And they did it so openly, they were so notorious that Arthur Conan Doyle in England made them the villains of the very first Sherlock Holmes novel, A Study in Scarlet, The Bad Guys of the Mormons. That's how notorious they were. And th- but that's true almost everywhere you go. And whenever you're looking at your history, you're going to find a bunch of unpleasant stuff. And you can either face that as it is, or you can turn away, watch the football games, and nobody will bother you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, very good points. I mean, you're in, in Texas, and we know the history with uh, that was used to be yeah. part of me- Mexico. I, I'm an American oh. Mexican. I'm not a Mexican American. I'm an American who became Mexican, <laughs> and so I don't know why you call me white Mexican. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I joke about that. Uh, the woke mob can't get me because legally I'm Mexican now, so <laughs> you can't you can't tell me uh, anything. So that, that's uh, anyways. Uh, yeah. um, I, another thing that I think is important you touch on in your book is parsing information uh getting out of the ideological space i mean th- that's yes. what i do you know i i unashamedly say i'm a conservative christian but i talk to you know you mentioned michael parenzi like i'm not at all a marxist or communist but as you said he he has profound insights which you cannot deny he'll say things that people on the right that are, are not saying that are factually true and yeah I, I think we have to get, you know, take take off the ideological goggles and then parse things from left to right. For example, Ben Norton um, of uh, he used to be, I think, with Gray Zone and now he does Multipolarista. I will share his analysis when it comes to imperialism, which I find accurate, but I completely shun him on anything related to COVID where I feel he's in La La yeah. Land. Like he's like, you know, boost me up, uh, Scotty, uh, you know, mask me up, quarantine camps. Yada yada, uh, and you know the same with people on the right who worship at the altar of Donald Trump. I do not, um, but I think you know they'll make four fair points about you know January sixth. I think that was a government false flag uh, operation. And so you, you actually mentioned in your book Trump brings a different corruption with different players, and he brought no solutions yeah. to, to, to bear. And so just your 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 thoughts on wading through the muck in a nonpartisan way, parsing information. Yeah, it's not even. I mean, you have to sort of. Um... Because I'm a I'm a, a counterculture traditional leftist, okay, but that has very little to do with what the left is supposed to be these days, right? I mean, they do a lot of things that I find appalling, just like I do on the on the right. But it's most of this stuff is not really ideological. The ideological stuff is is for the for the audience, for the fans. It's not for the players. Like the thing about Donald Trump that makes him distinct from some of the other people is that. He doesn't. He didn't necessarily do business with Raytheon, right? He's not that interested in the military-industrial complex because that's not where he gets his money from. So when Donald Trump was president, we didn't. He didn't want to go to war with anybody because hey, I might have to work with these people down there. You know what? What do I know? Maybe I'm going to open up a Trump hotel in China, right? So I don't want to go to war with China. I don't want to go to war with the Soviet Union either because I got business. You know, I got business. Speed. So is that the right way to run a country? No. <laughs> uh, it shouldn't be run from from the your personal uh, you know balance sheet, um, but it did have the effect that 
uh, Trump bombed fewer people than a typical president would, um, including people like Barack Obama, who's supposed to be this wonderful leftist hero and literally started bombing Pakistan before he was even president. Like that's literally started happening, uh, which I was just made me crazy. Um, but yeah, you, you, if you're looking at it from this kind of left, right, thing you're participating in the system you're not actually going to get any good analysis that way you have to look at these things it's it's more like uh you know competing mobsters right you know if you say that you know are are you with the traficante family or are you with the Giancana family like most people would be like what the hell difference is that what difference does it make which mobster i support exactly exactly because no matter who is president the winners tend to be large military industrial complex organizations, uh, extremely wealthy people um, that they always seem to be on top, regardless of, of who's actually in, you know, in power. Um, and because, and I think that tells you that the president has some influence, but very little real influence on the direction of the country. Yeah, I think that was a great explanation. And I would just extrapolate and use that same analogy to countries not just you know domestically in the u.s but you know it's the american mafia group versus the russian mafia group versus the chinese Chinese mafia group and there are these people i don't understand that you know they promote this multipolar world and stuff which you know it it has a point but it, it it almost verges on them believing that you know china the chinese government is sacred and holy and the russian government is sacred and holy it's like look i i've lived justin trudeau yeah, yeah, and it's like I, I've I've lived in Kazakhstan and I've seen up close. I mean, there's this Kazakh oligarchy, the ruling elite, which do not care about the citizens. I, I've spoken to Russians; they many feel the same way. There's the way we f- feel about our Washington corrupt elites. You, you've got them in all countries, so it's it's silly to think, uh, you know, to to look for any of these people as saviors. Some might be less worse. Yes, that's true. But at the end of the day, we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, robbers or, or mobsters just divvying up the pie between themselves. And yes, some are less worse. But um, yeah, and you know, uh, other thoughts, um, you know, key points from your book that you wanted to perhaps to, to bring up. Yeah, I think I think that leads us in the right direction, because part of what I was trying to do in this book in general is to try and reset some of the terms of the debate. This was uh, this was very deliberately written as I was trying to kind of introduce people so that if this was the first book that you read about this sort of thing, that you would understand it. And I even used things like boldface, and which I don't usually do, to try and kind of make it textbook-like in a way. So like this, this is really important to think about this. Um, because in, in the past, uh, things that I've written have been a little bit dense. It's a little bit academic. And I've heard that from folks, people that I want to reach. And so I was trying to reset some of the terms of this debate in a way that's understandable. So pledging fealty to the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or to an individual like Trump just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't serve your interests. It, it, it may make the world easier for you because you have good guys and bad guys. But the reality is, is that there aren't good guys and bad guys. Mostly there are different shapes shades of bad guys and they're all in opposition to you the state is generally aligned against the people it's not that one part of the state is for you and another is is not 
the state always fears the people because of the people, you know, George Bush uh, senior said, you know, if people understood what really goes on in back rooms, the people would chase after us with pitchforks and torches, you know, in a rare moment of lucidity from, from George Bush. And that's true. I mean, these deals that are made have very little to do with us. And every time we've made any kind of, 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 uh, of dent in the overall program, like getting a 40 hour work week, stuff like that, there's been mass opposition to it. Yeah. These things have to be done at a grassroots level with people going through the state. I I don't think you can do that anymore. Not, not in America, certainly. Yeah. That's interesting. I I mean, I would agree with what you said. It, by default, my position now is the state is against me, is against us. Although, again, from my Christian perspective, I respect authority and respect um, sure. the the government because not everything it does is is bad. I mean, I was just shocked. I just read the news yesterday here in Mexico is really bad traffic, and they've had this the, the dumbest law where you know in the U.S. if you have a car accident, uh, you just w- wait briefly. From what I recall, you you know you take photos and then you can move aside. Mm-hmm. And let the traffic continue and then you know it will be evaluated by insurance here in mexico yeah. you leave the car the scene as it is and then uh you call the insurance agents have to come and the cops come and for hours you're blocking yep. traffic and finally yep. yesterday the government is saying no we're gonna do it like they do it in the u.s and that way they can move aside and let traffic flow and it's like that's a good example of of good government so i'm saying it, yes. it is possible uh, as you said, we have to petition. Um, so let's not just do away with government. But as you say, the, the default yeah. position is there's a lot of bad folks in, in government doing a lot of, you know, making themselves rich. Some of them are part of secret, you know, societies with different dark occult agendas, in my view. But um, yeah, you know, uh, th- that's how it is. And but it's, it's starting to get crazy, though, because when you talk about conspiracy theory, parapolitics, especially in the U.S., uh, the state is now beginning to classify people who waver from official narratives as terrorists, as information terrorists. It's not a joke um, anymore. You know, we could have been laughing about conspiracy theory the last couple of years, but, uh, you know, Senator Josh uh, Hawley is talking about this now. He's going after Mallorcas and the DHS. You know, I I, I, I learned that in PayPal, my, in, in April, my PayPal was shut by the DHS together with, you know, Mint Press and Consortium News. Mm-hmm. And I learned it was it's the DHS, which told them. And now documents have come out which show the DHS considers me and the Mint Press and Consortium a non-kinetic threat. And that my, you know, me conducting these thought crimes, what we're doing now is a thought crime. Yeah. It's classified yeah. as disinformation by the DHS. And that technically, legally, according to them, we are now, uh, Joseph, you and I, attacking the cyber infrastructure of the United States. And so they're shutting off my Patreon, my PayPal, Kanye West, you know, mm-hmm. bank accounts. And so it's really, we're, this is like the twilight zone. This is uncharted territory in some ways. Now now we're like transitioning to something that's, it's not a joke anymore, Joseph. What's your th- thought on that? Uh, no, it's, it's Carl, it's a, it's a Klaus Schwab's wet dream is what's happening right now. Um, and it really, illustrates the whole point of my book, right? Because it's not that conspiracy theory is the problem. It's we're the wrong kind of conspiracy theorists because the DHS is now a conspiracy theorist because they believe that there are individuals 
like you and I, the fact that we're even talking about this stuff becomes terror, which is absurd, right? Because ideas aren't actually dangerous. And that's the thing that I've been seeing so much really since 9-11, but yes, very strongly in the last eight years or so, that there are certain ideas that are dangerous to talk about. And I just don't believe that. I don't believe that ideas, ideas cannot be dangerous to the general public. Ideas can be dangerous to a murderer because if somebody has information about where the bodies are buried, then that is threatening to the particular murderer. But that's not because the ideas are inherently dangerous. It's because those ideas can convince people that you committed a terrible crime. And that's what's really going on. So when the state is doing this, it's just like when the state said that that, uh, conspiracy theories are corrosive to society. I think they're right. They are corrosive to society. So stop with conspiracies already. Okay. I didn't kill all those people. You guys did that. That's not my fault. You know. I did not go kill Patrice Lumumba. I didn't overthrow Guatemala. I didn't interfere in Greece's elections right after World War II. So this is not me. What you are complaining about is the fact that your crimes are now being outed for everybody to see. And that's the danger of the internet. Yeah, I mean, you just you just uh, explained it. I mean, they're caught now. They're guilty. They're the terrorists. Yet they're calling us. Yep. Uh, the terrorists i mean it's absolutely yeah. insane it's like we're catching them they're the murderers the 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 thieves um and you know n- now they're creating this system w- that will make them immune and put us yeah. uh you know behind bars or uh, impoverish us or, or or whatnot and it's absolutely crazy i mean it's america's becoming whatever you want to call it totalitarian and other countries are following suit you mentioned yes. trudeau in canada europe now especially um so yeah interesting times and you know if you have any other uh or or, or final uh thoughts for us yeah no th- this is this is a thing that everybody this is everybody's problem what's what's coming and i i know people don't want to hear this uh be, but your 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 lives are going to be disrupted because the reality is that the internet is supposed to be about the free flow of ideas but what certain people have always wanted since its inception is to turn it into like Target, right? So freedom of choice means I can buy any toothbrush that I want. It's not I can choose any ideas that I want to pursue. It's about product. It's about you. the reason that you exist is so that you can buy these different things from these different companies. And so they are shutting off all of these different valves that go in all directions. Are some of these people uh, disreputable? Sure. I don't like Alex Jones, but I don't think Alex Jones should be wiped off the face of the earth because he says things that I don't like. Like That's ridiculous. The way that you combat ideas is with better ideas. That's the whole point of the country, right? It's not about this, this thing that they're shoving us into, which is basically a giant panopticon where we're supposed to sit down, rent everything. Right, you can't buy Microsoft, even like something like Microsoft Office anymore. You got to rent it. Um, that's what's coming. You're 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 not you're going to be allowed to own nothing. You will always be in servitude to some other thing, and that thing is always going to be a major institution or a major corporation. That's what we're up against. Yeah, I saw uh, someone posted a meme today showing the supermarket barcode. I used to work in a supermarket. And and the QR code they want everyone, all of us to have. And you just they made a good yeah. point. It's like basically 
they're now he, us humans uh we're gonna have our own qr code wherever it is you know on their phone or, or mm-hmm. they have the tattoos mm-hmm. now and we're like cattle we're like products for these yes elites you know wh- whoever they are and um yeah i was just you know losing my train of thought there i mean that's just uh crazy yeah and i i was looking just yesterday i bought one of my video softwares uh, i haven't updated it like half a decade and so i thought okay i'll buy the new version and everything now is subscription. I don't want to subscribe to this stuff. And, you know, my software has been working fine for five years for the podcast, but you know, they give you, you can update the latest version where you don't have to subscribe. So I did that. And it's basically the same as before. I kind of regretted, like, why did I just pay a hundred bucks? Nothing really has changed. And so, but they want you, you know, again, yeah, it's crazy. And I don't know how they're going to do that to other parts of our lives. Um, you know, I guess it'll make, they'll make it hard to purchase a house. So you'll forever have to rent yes. a car. Uh, it'll make yes. it too expensive to own a car. So you just have to use Ubers uh, everywhere and uh, so on and so forth. So uh, I, I highly recommend, uh, again, your book, Tinfoil Hat, Not Included, Conspiracy Theories and Art and Practices. Only five bucks on Kindle. I got the free copy from you, but I still, I, I, I always encourage <laughs> your listeners, buy books from guests and people because that you know that's part of supporting the guerrilla information war uh and you know leave reviews f- follow guests on on the socials and and their email lists and it, it's an easy read uh, it, yeah and, and and what what you know it's an easy read uh your book uh and, and well put together not very uh long and so where are the best places again to i'll include all the links in the description but uh, if you want to let us know best place sure to, now joe green them. jfk is yeah, Joe Green JFK is the best place to start. I have some other websites for the publishing side of the house and then also the Hidden History Center. Um, but yeah, Joe Green JFK is kind of the nexus where you can find links to everything. All right. Well, uh, you know, thank you for being on Geopolitics and Empire, Joe. You bet. Thanks a lot. It was a, it was a real pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up to the free email list that notifies you of every new podcast and other important updates. The email list and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's almost impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently strikes videos. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit, Twitter, and LinkedIn take down posts. After the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, or the Atlantic Council, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our pro account at one point. In April of 2022, the Department of Homeland Security had PayPal ban us for life. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the entire podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can support this guerrilla signal by donating via DonorBox, Buy Me a Coffee, Subscribestar, or Crypto. You can purchase a consultation with the host to talk about expatriation, geopolitics, or podcasting. 
You can also become a monthly or annual member via Stripe and receive benefits such as partaking in a monthly member Zoom call, get access to a weekly recording of my random thoughts, and a private Telegram channel. Thank you for listening.